Episode 47 Stick slid onto the bar stool beside Katie and signaled to Hunter to bring him a beer. He liked ordering Hunter around like a trained animal. He peeled the label off his beer bottle. With practice, he'd learned to do it in very thin, equal strips, which he then arranged on the bar. Tonight he decided to lay the strips down in a grid. Katie glanced at the pattern and then at her tattoo, picking up on the suggested connection. Hunter. Trap. She smiled smugly, which made Stick want to kick her. Your tattoo, he said, looks like somebody cut your hand off and then sewed it back on. Katie studied her wrist. Yeah, she said. I'm thinking about doing the other one. Your dad's right, Stick said, about Hunter. It's a big mistake. You were listening to our conversation? Yes, I was. When he'd seen Kyle and Katie huddled together, and Kyle staring in shock at Hunter, Stick had cut the filking session short. Kyle, he thought, could be just the ally he needed. At the proper time, Stick had intended to jump in and corroborate her dad's concerns. Then Kyle, he'd assumed, would put his foot down. But there had been no proper time, and Kyle had withered in the face of Katie's bravado. Like her father, Stick was too afraid of losing her, what was left to him of her. "'We have a great deal going here, Stick,' Katie said, too unthreatened by him to pursue the matter of his eavesdropping. "'All of us, the patience, the link. It works. Don't fuck with it. "'He weighs more than you and me combined. He could break your neck like that.' Stick snapped his fingers. "'You're just like my dad. You think all Vietnam vets are crazy, but Hunter's the sanest person I've ever met. His goal in life is never to hurt anyone again. He walks the walk every single day. And night.' Katie wiggled her eyebrows significantly." Stick's sigh blew his label pattern to smithereens. The thought of Katie undressing and dancing, yes, she told him like it was no more than the plot of some TV show, in front of that tied-up, graffiti-covered hulk of bad hygiene. Stick gulped his beer. He signaled Hunter again, twirling his index finger in the air. Bring me one more, you dog. Hunter obeyed, and Stick thought, sneered at him. He downed the refill. It was way past time he got away from Katie once and for all. For more than two-thirds of his life, she had known of his feelings and refused to requite them, and made him feel like shit just generally. It would mean breaking up the patients, but he would manage. He still had the coma cluster. "'I have something to tell you,' he said, a little blearily. "'Hang on, there's Francine.' "'Hey, girl,' Francine said. "'Great show, as always.' They embraced. "'You are so cool,' Katie told her, tugging on her pink chiffon scarf. This is so, like, French. Where did you get it? Carlsmart. Where else? They laughed. Francine leaned over the bar to pour herself a beer, and Walt slapped her ass. Katie lighted a cigarette. What were you saying, Stick? In addition to everything else, Katie was now the biggest poser this side of New York City. Hunter was her biggest pose of all. Look how I care about those who suffer. Really, what did Hunter have that Stick didn't? Stick, too, had known tragedy. Two dead parents before he'd turned sixteen. True, he had not killed them himself, perhaps a shortcoming in Katie's eyes. Say it, he berated himself. Say, goodbye, Katie. I love you, Katie, he said. Oh, God, that's terrible. I know. It's impossible, is all. In fact, I didn't even tell my dad this, but Hunter and I are going to get married. Oh, fuck, when? I don't know. Next year, maybe. I might have to turn eighteen first. Anyway, he asked me last week, and I said yes. Stick slid off his bar stool, steadied himself, and grabbed her wrist. We have to get out of here, Katie. Come on, let's go. You and me. We'll go to the desert, or Christmastown. I understand there's lots of space available suddenly. I'll go anywhere you want, Russia, Guam, Alaska, but I can't let you marry that monster. He'll kill you. You're hurting me, said Katie. Maybe you'll listen to me, then. You like guys who hurt you, don't you? Are you fucking crazy? Let go of me. I'll call him over here. I'll scream. Do it. 
Katie shrieked, long and loud. The room froze. She had learned from the master, of course, her baby sister. Hunter arrived in a split second, placing his heavy arm around her shoulders like a yoke. What is it, he wanted to know. What's wrong? Katie smiled, victorious. Stick let her go. Nothing, she said, just practicing our new song. What's it called, Hunter asked. My fucking life, said Stick. He went to help his brothers hand out tapes. It was not that Katie didn't appreciate Stick's concern or her father's, and she wasn't blind. Of course she was a little afraid of Hunter. Who wouldn't be? In fact, Katie now believed, as her mother did, or used to, in demonic possession. It had happened to Hunter at Milai. Wars spawned demons faster than any biblical hell. They jumped down people's throats at vulnerable moments and moved their bodies around like puppets. Hunter had watched and felt himself doing unbelievable things in that village, and he could not stop. But that was what made him so good now. He knew evil as he knew his own body. He fought it every minute of his life, with every muscle, every cell. The demons came to him in dreams, and he repelled them, thrashing in his bonds and crying out until Katie woke him with gentle kisses and held him. His fight was her fight. His dreams were her song.